Poppin' the Christian Bubble. It is now time for the Cultured Christian Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by independent financial planner Adam Peak. Join us as we provide commentary at the intersection of culture, tech, and faith. All right, podcast audience, we are here live with Jennifer, and today I'm super excited because we are going to have some fun on the podcast today. We are taking a listener, a listener of the podcast set us up for success today. They gave us a topic of the Enneagram. And so if you haven't heard of the Enneagram, I'm going to say right up front, that's okay. There's a lot of you who've never heard of this thing, or maybe you've heard a little bit about it. Our whole goal today in this conversation is to get you interested and excited about the Enneagram. And so stick around because I brought this expert in from this YouTube channel that I learned about the Enneagram from. And so let's welcome Jennifer Brave to the podcast. How's it going, Jennifer? It is going good. Another day above the dirt, you know what I mean? There you go. And Jennifer Hales, you hail from Dallas, Texas, down in the yeah. Lone Star State. Yeah, so Big D. The Big D. And, yeah, that's what uh, we call it, Big D. The weather is hot, right? Is it like 95 yeah. right now? Oh, please. I wish. Like 105, I think, is what it registered at today. Dang. And people always yeah. say in other states, like, it's a dry heat, but your state is a humid heat, right? So it's hot. It really is. Yeah, it really is. Nice. So tell us a little bit about yourselves. I mean, I'm going to dive in a little later to how I got connected with you, but why don't you just share with our podcast who has no idea who Jennifer is, you know, tell us about yourself, tell us about what you're doing and what you're a part of, and then we'll kind of dive in. Yeah, totally. So my name is Jennifer Brave. I'm a certified life coach. I do Enneagram and Myers-Briggs based life coaching. Um, I went and got my bachelor's degree in psychology and I did an emphasis on personality theory. And then between that and starting my master's degree in counseling, I got certified as a life coach. And then I went on to get training on how to use the Enneagram in therapeutic and counseling uh, settings. Um, and so that's, that's what I do. That's what I'm trying to roll with. Uh, I started doing that back in 2016. So it's been, it'll be four years in July and I'm trying to like scooch my way into making that a full-time job. YouTuber got a YouTube channel. Like I got my hands in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Nice. Well, we're happy if this podcast gives you, you know, that platform to help you build and continue to build your clientele, because I sure have got a lot out of what you, what you've put out there for free. Again, that's what's so cool about the internet is there's so much out there, so much content yeah. that you and other people give for free. And then if mm -hmm. they want to take it further or learn more from you, they pay a few bucks and they get kind of the next level. So yeah, I definitely yeah. encourage people to check you out. So let's do, let's do the shameless plug right up front. What is your website? <laughs> What, what kind of stuff do you offer on a paid level? Yeah, not the shameless plug. Um, so the website is facetsrelationalcare.com. And so I offer like one hour life coaching sessions. Um, fair warning up front. A lot of my education and training, most of it is more of a therapeutic and counseling kind. So I always tell people um, it, it is life coaching, but at the same time, I'm always weaving like some psychotherapy in there and mm. like crazy stuff like that. Um, so I kind of like to think I've got um, somewhat of a different spin on things than most other people do. But um, yeah, I've got a YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and you Google, I'm sorry, Google, if you put in the search bar, Jennifer Brave, my channel pops up. I've got like videos from 2016 all the way to present time. 
fair warning, fair videos. videos, tons of videos, like the ones I always tell people, like once you start getting back to like 2016, 2017, um, you know, I always warn people, it's like the dark ages, they're terrible. If you survive <laughs> watching those videos, like good for you. But anyways, um, yeah, so I offer one hour sessions, $50 a session. I do Zoom sessions too, because some people like to see me face to face and that's $60 for a session. And then I run yeah. specials and stuff sometimes. So Dude, yeah, and no. that's having, having had coaching myself, that's fairly reasonable. Like that's, you're yes. not, you're not expensive. So I no, think again, no, people I'm should, not. people should look into that. Cause I've had some career uh, coaching and just, again, very valuable stuff. So definitely check yeah. her out guys, if you're interested in that. And hopefully after we go through this uh, discussion, you'll be even more so interested and we'll, we'll definitely plug her stuff at the end as well. So you don't have to remember it right now. But today's topic is kind of, again, what influenced me, how I got connected with you, that sort of thing. And I also think it's something in our culture right now. You use the term in kind of our pre-show conversation of like, what did you call it? Coffee table psychology. Yeah. Um, you, the Enneagram has made its way into mainstream culture. So a lot of mm -hmm. you have probably heard of the Enneagram, even if you don't know your type or you haven't gone through anything, you know of it. And so today's going to kind of be an overview. And with that in mind, our first question that I'm going to throw at Jennifer is this idea of what, what is the Enneagram? Like if somebody comes to you, Jennifer, and they're just like, I have no idea. What is the Enneagram? It kind of sounds like a pentagram. It looks like a pentagram. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're a Christian audience here. Why would I have anything to do with something that looks like a pentagram, like a star with a circle around it? And so why don't you just start with what is the Enneagram and how do we as human beings get our type? Is that something that we just sign up for at Dr. Phil and he gives us a type or, <laughs> you know, how do we, how do we get a type, you know? So what is the Enneagram and how do we get it or how do we, you know, uh, develop our type? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess you could go to Dr. Phil. He'd probably like slap one on you. I mean, I don't know about all that, but um, yeah, so basically, really all that it is, is it's just a system that maps out the nine basic psychological needs that each human has, and then the behavioral, cognitive, emotional, and relational patterns that we build around those needs, the totality of which is called personality. So, like, to give you some examples, um, you've got the basic need to know that you're a good person, to know that you're wanted, that you're loved, uh, the basic need to know that you're loved for who you are, to know that you have a special purpose in life, to know that you are a competent and capable person, to know that you're safe and supported, to know that all of your needs will be met and that you'll be satisfied and happy, to know that you'll be in control of your life, and then to know that you have, um, well, I should say, I should say it this way, to know that your presence matters or that you fit into the grand scheme of life in a significant way. Hmm. Okay. So those are just some examples of like the, the basic nine needs, psychological needs that humans have that the Enneagram maps out. Yeah. So there's, there's nine basic types and Correct. how would you say we get those? So do, do I just come out of my mom's womb? It's kind of like, you know, I've got this yeah. type or is it developed more through your childhood? Like talk about how do we get our type? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel you. The, the whole nature versus nurture thing. So collectively within the professional psychological community, it's pretty much just been settled that it's a little bit of nature, a little bit of nurture. So it's both. Um, I don't think there's really any way that anybody's going to be able to kind of certainly say that at any one point in time. I know for me, I also ascribe to the theory that it's a little of both. I've seen 
um, some genetic research where they have found uh, genes linked to introversion and extroversion. So that indicates that some personality um, like could be genetically passed on. So, I mean, we know that human beings are adaptable. For example, you can put yourself in different situations, different work environments, different cultures, relationships, and you adapt and you fit into those things. So um, you can be shaped by external factors, if you will. But at the same yeah. time, I imagine there's also probably some genetic um, contribution to it as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's definitely like we talked about again off air. That's been my experience as I look over the course of my life and I'm like, I can see pretty dang clearly how my type developed, you know, just the yeah. childhood that I was, the home that I was raised in, the experiences I went through good and bad uh, rep brought me to that place of my type. And mm -hmm. so that's a good, and yeah. I mean, well, and I was gonna say like, even, I mean, just to, you're not wrong. Like, I agree with you that I, I'm going to play devil's advocate, like even to argue on the side that perhaps genetics have something to do with it too. Um, my boyfriend and his family, they have one person in his immediate family, siblings and parents and everything of each different Enneagram type. So they've got like the whole Enneagram there. And I've always thought it was fascinating because I think about it. Um, they grew up in the same familial culture, if you will, mm. the same parents, same upbringing, uh, you know what I mean? So there wasn't really granted there are going to be some different factors because the age range is so different. Yeah. And you've got you've got and got them in clusters, but it's it's always been fascinating to me that you could be raised in the same environment and then come out so different. You know what I mean? So I think there's yeah. there's got to be something there to it. You know what I mean? Like we each I kind of find you. our own way to adapt. So there's nine people in his family. There's nine one of each type. I mean, he has more people in his family, but in his immediate family, um, he's got 10 technically, but I'm not um, very well acquainted with one of his sisters, but the, the others that I know, yeah, he's got one of each type. It's crazy. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, it, it really is cool, actually. Um, so let's transition into our history. So obviously you're listening to this interview. There's two of us on the podcast. So we're going to just share kind of our history. I'll start with mine. Uh, I don't even remember where I first heard it. It was probably connected with my job at a church in the past. Uh, mm -hmm. And I heard of the book called The Road Back to You by Suzanne uh, Stable and Ian Morgan Cron. And I took it away. It was one of these weekends. Great. You know, I love this practice where you just get away, you turn off the phone and for three yes. days on a weekend, you just soak and marinate in a book. And I yes. highlighted and underlined and just spent the weekend reading that book, praying through it, thinking through it mm -hmm. on a deep level. And I left that weekend knowing that I was either a one or an eight. So yeah. I went from nine types down to two. I had it fairly certain locked in. And it was really kind of cool because when I came home, I went to YouTube and I literally Googled, this is probably right about you know, year one or year two of your YouTube channel, because it's been a number of years. Yeah, and I just searched for Enneagram one and maybe eight. I, I don't remember what my search was. And I found you, your channel, you, you were pretty high at the top there. Now I went and searched and there's a lot of stuff, kind of what you're saying. There it's is. Been, there it's is. been mainstream, but yes. you, were, you were pretty early into this. And I appreciate yes. that, that you yeah. brought kind of these videos out and one video in particular that I love, and I went back and watched it, rewatched it this week, but you did, you do a lot of these videos where it's like one versus eight or two versus yeah. whatever. Like you're deliberately yeah. making videos for people like me where it's like, I narrowed it down to two 
help me figure out between these two. And yeah, so well, and that's I, one of the things that I wanted to do was I thought like anybody can pick up a book and learn about the Enneagram, but there's going to be all these little nuanced, you know, things on the side that most people are going to have questions about. And so I tried to come up with videos to, to help with stuff like that. Cause those are the things that you're not going to find in books. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And you definitely did that with me and I, I appreciate and, and what, what transition just kind of getting into me a little bit. So I have fully gone into a decided, whatever you call it, that I am definitely a one, which is called the reformer or the perfectionist, depending on which uh, Enneagram group you go with. Uh, mm-hmm. And and part of me avoiding being a one was even I didn't like the term perfectionist. That was the term I think in the book, The Road Back to You. And it's ironic, like you're saying, like as an Enneagram one, I'm like denying that I'm a one because I don't like the term perfectionist. It seems yeah. negative. I don't like the yeah. idea of being a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. But anyways, that definitely was me. And one of the things I remember from your video is you talked about how ones and eights deal with anger differently. Mm -hmm. And that spoke to me a lot because I've never been a person that I've never considered myself having an anger problem. And Mm -hmm. what was interesting about that, as you said, and and please tell me if I'm off here, but I think it was what you said in your video, maybe your views have changed, but you talked about how an eight is basically, they blow up and it's just like an explosive kind of anger. You see it, you hear it, it's loud, it's there, it's an explosion. Those typically are people that you know as angry people, but ones ones deal with anger too. They're angry, but their anger is like you use the the metaphor of a boiling pot with a, yes. a cover over it. Yep. Yep. I am telling you, Jennifer, that spoke to me so much because I'm the type of person, people rarely see my anger, but if I'm alone in a car, right? Like if I'm getting cut off in traffic, I go from zero to white hot, like Mm -hmm. unbelievably fast. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely Mm -hmm. some anger in there. There's some stuff going on in this, you know, type one's soul, but Mm -hmm. it's for some reason, I think it's the shame aspect. Like I don't want people to see it. And so I kind of hold it in, I keep it in. And so I found that video to be super helpful. And then the other thing I'll say is I've done a lot. I've done literally every personality test. I've done the DISC test. I've done Myers-Briggs. I've done Strength Finders. And I feel like the Enneagram, like annoyingly so, got me right. Like it's so yeah. easy and simple. Like it's almost like a horoscope in the sense that yeah. like this is me. And so- But it's yeah, kind of I'm embarrassing definitely... because it highlights like, <laughs> I mean, really the Enneagram kind of focuses really on brokenness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always tell people like jokingly, but not so jokingly, if you want to know why you're awesome, study Myers-Briggs. If you want to know why you suck, study Enneagram. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So let's transition to your type. So how did you, what's your history? How did you find your type and, and what is your type? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a six. Um, how I came into the Enneagram, it was 10 years ago. My best friend had found a book called The Wisdom of the Enneagram by Don Rizzo, Russ Hudson, fantastic book. She read it, loved it, thought Jennifer's gonna like it, gave it to me, she was right. I read the whole thing in one night. I stayed up all night and read it. And I remember like closing the back cover and I don't know how to describe how I knew, but I was sitting there and I was looking at that book and I was like, I'm looking right now at the rest of my life. Like, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. Like, this, this is what I'm doing. 
Mm -hmm. And um, anyways, I hadn't yet figured out that I was a six at that point. I had briefly for like two hours thought that I was an eight. And then the couple of people that I knew who did know the Enneagram, you know, laughed hysterically. And I thought, okay, maybe that's not it. <laughs> and so then I toggled back and forth between one and six. And it took me a couple of weeks, but really the core like we were talking about psychological need for me that hadn't been met was the one associated with type six. And once that really clicked with me, like everything just kind of came together in a big picture. And I was like, Oh my gosh, how have I not seen this before? You know what I mean? <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, you know, here we are today. So. Yeah. And six, you'll get into it. And in, after the break here, but you're a loyalist. Do you, do you like yeah. that term? Does that fit even the title loyalist for you? Yeah, yeah. So loyalist is a good title. Um, the devil's advocate is also a good title. Um, mm. So when I teach it, I like to call it um, the seeker, which is not anything I've heard anybody else use, but um, all three, I think, are applicable. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And that's like maybe a sidebar that we should just say right up front is there are nine types, but depending yes. on who's who's telling you them, there's different names, there's different right. um, different interpretations, if you will, of the types. Mm -hmm. So you may see different titles with the types, but they generally have the same characteristics yeah. and wounds and yeah. things. Um, yeah. So yeah, before we get into the overview of the types, again, those of us that are listening, you're like, well, I want to hear what are the types? I've never read a book like these two. Um, let's just kind of get them even more excited and just sharing and talking about what is the value in people finding their type? Like, who cares? I'm busy. I've got so much going on in my life. I've got kids. I've got a date. I've got video games to play, like whatever they're busy yeah. with, you know, why spend time figuring out my type? Is this just another mm -hmm. fad? Should I even give it attention? So what would you say as somebody who's lived with it for 10 years now, uh, what's the value in people finding their type? Oh my goodness. There's so much value. Um, so the four biggest things that I have found is Number one, I think it helps to alleviate guilt a little bit. You know, you beat yourself up mm -hmm. about the stuff that you think, you know, it isn't okay about you. And you're reading this and you're realizing like there are millions of people on the planet that are like me. You know, you know what I mean? I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. And so I think it kind of gives some self-compassion. Um, I also think it, it it's really good at teaching that differences are necessary. You know what I mean? We all bring something valuable to the table. Right. And I think it gives an appreciation for differences. I also think, of course, it's really good for self-development. By that, I, I mean, it puts you on a map. And so what I say to people is, um, we can't know, I can't help you. I can't know where you want to go, where you need to go until I know where you are. So that's why typing is so important because it's going right. to push you on that map for me. And lastly, I would say, um, like the kids going on a date, you're going to understand other people better, what motivates them, why they do what they do. That's going to lead to compassion, better communication. And for me, especially, I found that it helps me not to take things so personally, if somebody makes a critical remark towards me, you know, for example, because I can say, okay, I know that this person has this type and this is, you know, probably where that's stemming from. And this is the personality they built around that. And so I, I kind of maybe triggered this and yada, yada, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's, there's like a freeing aspect to it, like a socially freeing aspect to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And all, all that I would add to that is I just feel like for me, it was that know thyself, you know, it's like mm -hmm. the, the knowledge you have, you know, life really is part of life is a journey of learning about yourself. And that only comes Absolutely. through experience. You're, you're living yes. life, you're learning, you're meeting people, you're reading things. 
And so for me, learning that I was a one and seeing all those uh, descriptions, the way that I look at the world, it just, it's like someone put glasses on me and was just like, Oh, this is why, this is why these things frustrate me, right? Like there's certain things that I just think about that frustrate me. And then I talk to my friends and they're like, Kurt, why are you getting all bent out of shape? That doesn't matter ultimately. And I'm over here thinking the hell it doesn't, it does matter. And it's because I'm a one that I take on those things that other people don't take on. A one is very, and we'll get into the types in a minute here, but the one is very focused on right and wrong. And it sees the world in a very black and white sort of way. It's very morality focused. and, And that is for every person, not just for me. And so when I see somebody breaking the law in speeding, it's always on the road. I don't know why it is, but it's always driving. You know, when somebody is doing something wrong on the road, I'm shaking my head. I'm the guy sitting there in the car, like shaking my head. Like, I can't believe Mm -hmm. that guy, you know, Mm -hmm. other people I've been in cars with people. They just don't care. They don't care as much about people, you know, not following the road rules. But for me as an Enneagram one, again, that put texture. Cause I always felt like you said that I felt guilty for feeling yeah. that way. I felt shameful. Yeah. I felt like, why am I so upset over these things? But again, it's, it's my temperament. It's my makeup. It's my personality type to, you know, there's always pros and cons to that. I think oh, that's, yes. again, oh, yes. we'll, get in, we'll get into the types, but you know, there's a healthy aspect and an unhealthy aspect. And for me to realize that is the first step to, you know, being a healthy, happy, mature adult. And I think that's Absolutely. where the value comes in for people to find their type. Absolutely. I mean, that's putting putting yourself on the map. And actually, if you want me to add just kind of like a funny side story, you, mm-hmm. you said something about it always being in traffic and it reminded me yeah. of this. I used to have a friend that was a one and I was in the car with her one time and she got pulled over for speeding and <laughs> she sat there and argued with the police officer about why oh, no. she shouldn't get it. She shouldn't get a ticket. Her reason being because it's not fair if she was going to get a ticket because she was going with the flow of traffic. And if she's exactly. going to get a ticket, yeah. everybody should get a ticket. So, you know what I mean? Which was, was, <laughs> it was such a one argument, you know, I had right. to laugh about it. Yeah. Fairness. Fairness is a huge thing for ones. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And as again, getting into that nature versus nurture thing, you know, many of you know, because you know me in real life, but those of you don't know me in real life, I'm a son of a policeman. So it again is not surprising that I I haven't seen the, the stats or the surveys, but I would imagine kids of policemen and women would often be ones because their mm-hmm. parents, you know, if you come from that kind of household, it's very rules focused and you, yeah. you are loved and valued when you follow the rules. So it makes sense that I would orient my life around rules and staying within the lines. So again, mm-hmm. that's, that's just, again, how I've, I've developed my life. So. Yeah. I mean, honestly though, like being in, um, if you grew up with a cop as a parent, you can find all different Enneagram types in that situation. It just kind of depends yeah. on how that need wasn't met. You know, so if it was like a really serious father that just wasn't very emotional or in tune with his kids, you might wind up with the two. We can, we can go into that later because I'm going to start talking about numbers and nobody's going to know what I'm talking about. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great segue. We're going to take a short break here so our sponsor can get uh, get their word in here. But let's take a short break. And when we come back, we will do a massive overview of all of the nine types. So stay tuned. It'll be coming up next. Our podcast sponsor is Adam Peak, my friend and independent financial planner. 
His primary focus is educating individuals and families with the information needed to help with the decision-making process of their financial goals. If you've got some questions that you think Adam could help with, reach out by going to adampeak.com. That's peak with an A. Securities offered through Sigma Financial Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC. Adam Peak, 300 Parkland Plaza, Ann Arbor, Michigan, 48116, area code 810-522-8169, or ACPeak at sigmarep.com. All right, we are back, folks. Thanks for listening today. And as I said, now we're going to share, Jennifer is going to share. I'm literally pulling out a pad of paper. I encourage you guys to do that unless you're driving. Don't do it if you're driving. But if you're sitting at home, man, pull out that pad of paper. Let's begin the journey for some of you to figuring out what your Enneagram is. And so, Jennifer, kind of give us an overview, an overview. And again, this is a very, I'm just going to say right up front, Jennifer has given her time tonight. She's you know, doing this uh, for the podcast. And so we're going to do just a very brief thumbnail of each type. And so it's really meant to whet your appetite to do some mm-hmm. further research. This is not an exhaustive conversation at all. Not at all. all. Yeah, not. There's so much more than what she's going to share. But I do think that some of you immediately are going to be drawn to one or two of these types. And so yeah. Jennifer, I'm going to give you the floor and I'm not going to do much talking here. I just want to hear from you. Give us an overview of all nine Enneagram types. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll go ahead and start with, I like to do them numerically. Um, We're going to start with type one, um, which as you said, Kurt, is the reformer or the perfectionist, just depending on who's teaching it. Um, Their basic fear is of being bad or corrupt or flawed. And so therefore their desire is to be a good person. Um, Just some general things that you can see in their behavior is they tend to have a need to do everything perfectly. Um, They also will Uh, feel like they need to be right. Um, In other words, they need to know how to do something. They're the one that has to have the answers. And one thing, I think this gives ones kind of like a, they get a a critical, I don't know, rap for this, but they focus a lot on what's wrong in their environment or in human behavior or whatever else. And they spend a lot of time critiquing it. And Mm. it, it can make them come across, I think, as looking really critical. But I think really what they're trying to do is they're looking for things in the world that are less than what they could be. Um, So they're looking at things that could be improved upon. And with this motivation to um, improve and make something better and get it as close to perfect or um, reformation, like you said, as we can, you know, they go in and they're looking at things and they're kind of picking out all the the stuff that's wrong and trying to fix it. Um, To give you guys like a good example, if you want to look up somebody um, with a a good example of this personality type is Mary Poppins, the, from, Hmm. it's the Disney movie played by Julie Andrews. She's, like just textbook, the textbook one. Nice. So I she even like cracks it. me up too. What so are you saying? saying? I have, are you saying I have to get an umbrella and fly across the room? I mean, if that's what you want to do, I mean, that's on you. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm a one. You, you, you do know? you. You know, you do you, boo boo. I was. Are they cracks me up? Because like watching that movie after I learned the enneagram and like realized she was a one. She's there's a scene in there where she pulls this tape measure out. She's like measuring her height, and it stops at this point, and she reads it, and it says practically perfect in every way. And I'm like, yep, <laughs> that would be a one tape measure right there. Oh, that would gosh. be it. Nice, cool. Yeah. 
So that's the one. That is your host for you here. I hope I didn't embarrass you too much. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad. So we'll move into type two then, which is called the helper. Sometimes it's called the caregiver. So their fear is that they're not wanted and that they're not loved. So of course, they're going to do things to make themselves wanted and make themselves loved. And so the way that twos do that is they come to the conclusion that if they give of themselves, if they help other people, then that's going to be enough to earn them love. They are very relational. They love to emotionally connect when they meet new people. They're very conversational. They're also very empathetic and they like to get into more deep personal connections when they're talking to people, not so much the small talk. A good example of someone who would be a type two is like Princess Diana, for example. Okay. So that's a little bit about uh, type two. We also have next is type three, the achiever. Sometimes it's called the performer. Their fear is of being worthless or of being unworthy of being loved. Uh, just a different way to say it. And so their desire is to be loved for who they really are. So out of that insecurity or that fear that they're worthless or unworthy of being loved, they, they try to impress people in order to get some sort of validation they are very competitive. They want to come in first. They want to be the best. I've also noticed too, they really like to be the center of attention. And by that, I don't mean, you know, they're ostentatious and trying to draw a lot of attention to themselves necessarily. Um, sometimes it can just be that they want to be at the hub of what's going on. You know, like they can be a host at a party and they don't have to have the attention, but they can go around and it's like, they just want everyone to know that they're the reason that they're there. You know what I mean? Like they want to be alpha. Mm -hmm for example. Um, a really good example of a type three would be LeBron James. Okay. So that's type three. Um, moving into type four, this is called the individualist. It's also called the artist, again, depending on who you're learning from. Um, their fear is that they have no special purpose in life. And so their desire then is to find a special purpose. That's the, you know, ego need that they're trying to meet. Um, they're very expressive. They're the sort of person that wears their heart on their sleeve. And it's, I should say, more than being expressive, it is important to them to be able to express themselves. They tend to be very into aesthetics. Um, and by that, I mean, they, they really like to be in like beautiful environments because they kind of, they emotionally connect to what they see outside of them. Like everything for them is an emotional experience. And so they'll use environments to externally represent who they are as well. And I've noticed they also like to have things around them that hold emotional value or memories. So that's a big thing for them. Um, they have very intense feelings. They feel things intensely, like life for them is just emotion. That's what it is. Um, I'm gonna give this example. I, I would probably type Marilyn Manson is a four. Um, he hasn't like, yeah, I mean, he hasn't said himself, like some of these people have said, obviously, I mean, Princess Diana, Mary Poppins, no, but um, I would probably type Marilyn Manson as a four, um, just to give you an example of what that looks like in real life. <clears throat> so then we go on to type five, which is the intellectual. Their fear is that they are useless, helpless, incompetent. And so they want to feel like they are useful, they can contribute to the world, they're capable of doing something, they're competent, right? Um, call, I call it the intellectual because these are very, very cerebral people. They love learning. 
specifically though, they love learning with the intent to be an expert in something. So in other words, they want to be like the go-to person for certain kinds of information. Their pride is in what they know that helps give them that feeling of competency. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, they observe life rather than participate in it. And when they do participate in it, it's only after they have observed it for a significant period of time. And they're also very emotionally detached too. Um, an example I think would be like Stephen Hawking. And I think Stephen Hawking at one point was typed as a five, but he would be a good example. If I was going to you know, give you one for type five, that would be Stephen Hawking. Yeah, that makes sense. And then we're going to move on to my type, which is type six, the seeker. And it's always so embarrassing, like talking about my own type. It's not, I'm not incredible. So much here. This is me. I mean, I can't, you know, it's like, I got to be honest too, you know, I'm going to, you know, I got to do it. Um, Yeah. So anyways, it's type six. It's the seeker. The fear is that they aren't safe or that they're not going to have support when they need it. And so of course, then the desire is to find safety and support. Sixes can be very, very anxious people. I will attest to that. They worry a lot. I know there's a lot of the whole like waiting for the other shoe to drop kind of thing. You know, something mm-hmm. goes right or we get into this really good place in life and it's kind of like, mm, I don't trust that. Like life doesn't work this way. And, yeah. you know, we spend a lot of time just kind of sitting on the edge waiting for something that may or may not happen. Um, <laughs> we can be what I like to call clingy or needy simply because we're trying to find other people to, reassure us and to be our strength because we don't have the confidence within ourselves to um, generate that sense of inner support. You know what I mean? So we're always looking to other people for that. So we kind of just, we can, we can reach sometimes, you know, fair one. Um, We're very cautious people by that. I mean, we we think about things for a really long time before we do them because we want to make sure that we've got all of the, you know, I's dotted and the T's crossed because we don't want to go into something and act on it and then something terrible go wrong and there be this whole new catastrophe. You know what I mean? Um, So that's a little bit about me. If you want another example of an Enneagram type six, this is a great example. Um, President Richard Nixon. The okay. sixiest six who ever sixed. <laughs> um, yeah, so there he is. And then we have uh, type seven, which is the adventure. This is my boyfriend. I am so putting him on the spot here and he can deal with it. Their fear is of being um, deprived of what they want and what they need. They fear feeling their pain and their anxiety and their desires then are to have all of their wants and needs met and satisfied and to be happy. So sevens are very independent people and I'm stealing this part from my boyfriend. His life motto is (laughs) I do what I want. And that's a direct quotation. Um, A very seven-ish thing to say. So yeah, very independent, very much I do what I want people. They're very happy, very carefree, very lighthearted. They have a really positive attitude. They can take pretty much any negative situation that they're in and find the silver lining and they just hyper-focus on that and that's what they cling to until they're out of, you know, whatever hardship or anything that they're in. Um, They're always anticipating the next fun thing in life. You know, life is full of adventures and fun things to do. So they're kind of sitting there on the edge of their seat, just waiting to see what's going to come next. A good example for a type seven personality is 
I, I want to use the movie Limitless. It was a movie that came out in 2011. Mm. Bradley Cooper is the star. I don't remember the name of his character, but the character that he plays in Limitless is a seven, like fantastic example yep. of Enneagram type seven. If you want to go check, it's a good movie regardless, in my opinion, but yep. that's, um, that's a good seven example there. So then we go on to eight, which is the challenger. And their fear is of being emotionally vulnerable because they don't want to be hurt or emotionally taken advantage of. And it's also, there's also a fear of not having any control over their lives. So of course, then their, their desire is to have control and not get hurt. And out of that, you have somebody that's a very self-reliant person. Um, eights usually aren't going to ask for help unless they're like absolutely backed into a corner because number one, they view that as a sign of weakness and they want to be the strong person that doesn't get affected by things. And also too, when you ask for help, you are putting yourself in a situation where you're going to be dependent on other people. And that's a, that's a form of giving up control. You see what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. Um, so they're not going to do that. They're trying not to ask for help if they don't have to. Um, again, they do want to appear to be very strong to other people, very emotionally unfazed by life. But sevens, or I'm sorry, excuse me, eights, I've, <laughs> I've always referred to them of the roasted marshmallows of the Enneagram yeah. because on the outside, they're like these crunchy, black, hard little things. But really on the inside, they're just these gooey, sweet, warm little teddy bears. Like, I absolutely love them. Um, they experience just the same anxiety, shame, pain, just like anyone else does. They're just really good at kind of, you know, putting this tough guy act on and fooling everybody but me. Um, yeah. So they also want to be respected. That's a really big deal. Sometimes when you get an unhealthier eight, the wanting to be respected can kind of look like they want to be feared or they want to be intimidating to people because that's another way, another way that they can maintain control. Um, an example of this would be uh, our current president, Donald Trump. Not, I'm not saying anything good, good or bad about him. I'm just saying he's a, he's, he's an eight. It's it just, he's an eight. He just is. Yeah, I've heard, I'll just interject here. I've heard that before. And I've heard that a lot of leaders, you know, people that are CEOs, people that are in control, you know, it's very, it, the eights are second only to the ones I would say that kind of have a negative um, yeah. perception because yeah. ones mm -hmm. are known as being powerful, dominating. They have to, they have to be the center of attention. They have to be the one that's looked at in the center of the room. Uh, they're always fighting for control, as you said. So I think, that, mm -hmm. yeah, that's definitely Donald Trump. And either, mm -hmm. whatever you think of him, that's him. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, and that's him. I mean, it is what it is. Um, yeah. So we'll the move on to type nine. Then. Opposite yeah, of that the, is the really, nine, right? <laughs> yeah, it's really the opposite of that is type nine. I like to call type nine the diplomat, although in most circles you're going to see them called the peacemaker. You know, either one is fine. Their fear is of being separated or disconnected from the self, others, life, the universe, for lack of a better way to say it. They need to feel like they're connected in life and that their presence in this life matters, okay? So they're very, they can be very acquiescing people, um, conflict avoidant. In other words, they'll kind of give in to stuff that they don't necessarily want to give into just because they want to avoid conflict and maintain peace because peace is a way that you can maintain relational connection. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they're really chill people, easy to talk to. They're, they're kind of funny because they almost seem like they're never really upset about things. I mean, they might, you know, comment about being annoyed by something every now and again, but you, you just, you don't see them get upset. They're just, they're, they're the kind of people that have one of those, it is what it is attitudes, you know what I mean? And then they just yeah. shrug it off and keep going. 
um, they're, they're easily satisfied. They, they're very content with what they have. It doesn't take a whole lot to make them happy. But the downside to that is it can turn into settling as well. And they can get themselves, you know, into less than what they deserve, I think. Um, and a good example of this is actually uh, President Barack Obama, and he self-identified himself as a nine. He had made some statement about how he, I don't know, read the Enneagram, whatever, and decided he was a type nine. So two conflicting presidents. It's funny, we went from like type nine president to type eight, like we just completely flipped upside down. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of kind of the way things are right now. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, well, Jennifer, that was awesome. You did a great job of giving us uh, an overview of all nines. And thank you for that. I would just say, you know, again, kind of what we said at the beginning, maybe you've listened to those and you're like, well, I kind of feel a connection with a few of them. And that's where these deeper levels of the Enneagram come in. There is, yeah. there is something called wings where you can mm -hmm. kind of have a little bit of one and a little bit of the one to the right or the one to the left. There's also things called the triads. So there's, there's mm -hmm. a lot of dynamics here. So if mm -hmm. you're kind of sensing that you feel connected to a few of those, um, that's common, that's normal, that's healthy. And so like go to my YouTube channel. Like I do videos yeah. about wings and I haven't done yet ones yet on any of the stances. I'm in the process of, but for real, if you want to know about wings, like I can, I, I do videos on like, what's the difference between one with nine and the one with the two wing, et cetera. Go check it out. Jennifer Gray, mm -hmm. YouTube. And that you're, you're segueing to our final question, which is awesome. Uh, so for the listener out there who's interested in finding out their type, what would you recommend? So they've heard your podcast, our podcast episode here. What's their next step? Like they have no idea what their type is. What would you say, you know, read this book, go to this website, watch this one video, like give them a very succinct next step. What would you advise them to do? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to go take a test, which is usually what most people do next, I always recommend what's called the ready test. It's spelled R-H-E-T-I, and that stands for the Rizo Hudson Enneagram Type Indicator. You can find that on a website called EnneagramInstitute.com. Um, I think you have to pay like 15 or $20 for it, but it's so worth it. It's the only Enneagram test that I have ever seen that accurately types people like almost all of the time um they have a book too like the one i started with which is um the wisdom of the enneagram but the, the road back to you i haven't read i have a copy and i haven't read that mm. yet but i've heard that that's a really fantastic book that's, too that sounds like your next step jennifer yeah yeah no really so <laughs> i bought a copy and like I have it here and I haven't, I've had it here for like a year, but I have like this giant, I pro, seriously, I probably have like over a hundred books in this pile in the corner of my room and I kind of threw it on top of there and forgot about it. So I do yeah. need to dive into that. But anyways, that's a, I imagine that's a good resource and I'm not trying to toot my horn, but to, to, I mean, seriously, check out my website, um, Jennifer Brave on YouTube, go to my website, facetsrelationalcare.com. I have like a lot of really great resources. A lot of the sessions that I do are typing sessions because sometimes people just need help finding type. And then from there, like, again, when we get them on the map, we can chart, well, where do you want to go now that we know what your number is? And boom, like I hit it, we start getting there. Like we're going to chart a path and we're going to go down the path together. That's what I do. Yep. Yeah, and I would just double down on that by saying that I feel like another area that we didn't go into really only for the sake of time, but we we touched on it earlier on, which is in each type, there is a healthy 
a healthy and an unhealthy, right? Like when Kurt is a one and he's healthy, he's focusing on righting wrongs. He's focusing on helping people and being positive and, you know, all these things. But as you alluded to, ones can also be critical. Like when I'm mm-hmm. in an unhealthy space, I can be the guy who's negative, who's Debbie Downer, who's just like, there's so much crap in the world. We're never going to be able to fix it. That's an unhealthy space. And so part Mm -hmm. of your, part of your role as an expert, as a coach, as a life coach, is you can help people out of that unhealthy space into, into a more healthy space. So you can start to coach them. Hey, here's lean into these parts of yourself and recognize that there is a negative and it's like the yin and yang thing, right? It's like, yeah, each, each type has a black and a bad area and each type has a good area and you've got to learn that skill of leaning into we're never going to be perfect but leaning into the positive as much as you can and I think that's where someone like you is really skilled in drawing out that positive yeah yeah and you know like another thing too I mean if you want to just get an idea of like what I actually do and what people get out of sessions with me too like if you go to my website fastestrelationalcare.com I have a tab up there that it it, it says reviews all of those reviews on there are from clients like I, I did not pay any of them to say what they said but they they just sent those reviews into me I put them on there that'll give you kind of an idea of what like what I help people with what we work towards what I do so um, I don't know. I think that helps to just kind of, you know, you know, help. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And as we kind of wrap up today, I just want to again say facetsrelationalcare.com. That is her website. It'll be in our show notes. We'll share it on our social media as well, but definitely use Jennifer's stuff. She's an expert. She has helped me. Like, I mean, a most basic level guys, that's why I bring people on is they've helped me. They have helped the cultured Christian me on this uh, journey that I'm in. And so I'm just sharing what's helped me on a very basic level to you, the audience. And I'm saying, Hey, you guys can get the same help I got. And so definitely check out her stuff, grab those books that we mentioned. And I'd love to hear back from you in our feedback on, you know, you can just comment on any of our socials, or you can always send us an email at culturedchristians at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you guys as you take this journey. Did you find your type? Are you excited about your type? What's your next step? I mean, we really want to hear back from you guys. <gasps> yes, and... I would love to hear feedback about that for sure. I'm all about feedback. Definitely. And I feel like, again, I'm putting you on the spot, Jennifer, but I'd love to have you back on, you know, let's, let's reconnect in the future and kind of maybe do a 2.0, like how do we talk in a different direction or get into this a little deeper, but I just feel like you, you again are a great resource. And, you know, as you connect with the podcast yourself, I'd love to have you back and, you know, we'll see where people People take it and where they go, but you know, to me, I consider Absolutely. you a friend, a friend of the podcast. And like I said, you've helped me out, so I appreciate so much what you're doing in people's lives. Uh, I feel so honored. Yeah, no, I would totally love to be back. There are so many other aspects of the Enneagram. Like we didn't even touch the tip of the iceberg today. Like we could do so much stuff with it. Like it would be so much fun. Yeah, anytime you want me back, let me know. Sweet, I will we be like here. Hearing that. All right, Jennifer, well, I'm going to let you go. Thanks for listening today, guys. And uh, send your love over to Jennifer, as I said, on her channels. And uh, we'll call this an episode. Thanks for tuning in today. As always, we hope you enjoyed this and all of our episodes on the Cultured Christian Podcast. Please join the conversation on our Reddit. Also like and interact with us on our Instagram and Facebook page. Lastly, if you have feedback or topic ideas, email us at 
culturedchristians at gmail.com or share them via text or voicemail at 810-207-5717. And we'll see you in the next one. Thank you.